0: My name's Kim Siever, and you're listening to episode 19 of the Hot Pepper Poetry Pod. I wrote a new poem this week I wanted to share it with you, so we'll get right into it. It's called Lavender Soul. If you want to follow along while I'm reading, you can do so at siever.ca slash kim. That's S-I-E-V-E-R dot slash K-I-M. And if you're viewing it around the week of the 27th of February, you should be able to find it on the front page. Otherwise, just type in Lavender Soul in the search box and it should come up. Alright, so here's Lavender Soul. Slumber breeze plucks from the trees the leaves and seeds unbound, softly down with scarce a sound, impregnating the ground. Fallen snow a cradle low to stow from blow aloft, intertwining rain and shining, guiding seedling soft. One hand wise paints blue the skies, established clouds up high, one hand true the sea subdued, renewed the surf and tide. Planted groves and fashion hooves and fin and wing prepared, ash and dust infused by hush, the rush of breath made bare, river shores and temple doors, and forest floors are where, voice above came down as dove to them in love declare. Manger still and garden spill and pierced hill nearby, Quiet sight and mountain side, and desert bright the cry. Seated through a heart of blue, now made anew and wrought. Planted pink inside the think, to never shrink in thought. Lavender, the soul to stir, binary blur abound. Hold both hands, I move to stand, with divine grand astound. So this was a tough poem to write, actually. Usually I can write my poem in a few days. This one took a couple of weeks. It took me a couple weeks just to get started because I was having difficulty just coming up with the imagery and how I should start this poem. The idea I had in my mind was to portray this duality of masculine and feminine in the divine, Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Father. and This idea that God, collective God, so if you view Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother as one God, then this collective God is neither masculine nor feminine but both masculine and feminine, and then they work together to accomplish the divine works. And then this duality, this masculine and feminine combination, is found within each of us as divine offspring. None of us are masculine or feminine, 100% masculine or feminine, but each of us is a combination of masculine and feminine, a unique combination, and then we can use the masculine and feminine to be able to find our true potential. That's the idea I wanted to capture in this poem. And so I wanted to find these ways that our Heavenly Parents work together, that they cooperate and complement each other. So my first idea was I could use complementary colours, but it just wasn't working and I just finished doing a poem about colours, Rainbow Tears, and I just didn't want to do another poem about colours so close to that one. So that didn't work too well. And I was having a difficult time getting started on that one. And then finally I was going for a walk, I think, and I thought of planting a seed and it turning into a plant and how forces of nature work together to make that happen. So I thought, well, I could sort of start with that. So that's what got me started on the poem. And then I went in to talk about the roles of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and then I talked about the internal interplay between masculine and feminine within ourselves. But as I was writing this poem, the rhyming scheme started to emerge, and I realized that I I was going to give myself a few extra parameters and restrictions in this poem. Especially when I did the first line, I realized that I wanted to have a lot more rhyming in this poem than in the last few poems. I've had a f- I had a handful of poems where I do lots of rhyming within each line. And so I wanted to do that again, especially after I finished the first line. So you see that in the poem. And then as I was going through, about halfway through, and I started to write the ninth and tenth lines, I realized that I had made seven, eight, nine and ten all rhyme with each other. And rather than going back and changing nine and ten, what I thought I could do is have this cascading effect. So I do A-A-B-B-C-C-D-D and then D-D-C-C-B-B-A-A. So that's what I thought I would do. So that offered some difficult challenges as well, but I managed to work around them after some time. So yeah, it took a while to get through it. Let's just go straight into the poem and I'll start talking about the meaning behind each line. Slumber breeze plucks from the trees, the leaves and seeds unbound. I think this is self-explanatory. The breeze comes in in autumn, it's a slumber breeze because winter's coming and nature's going to be hibernating or falling asleep. And so this autumn breeze is coming through and taking the leaves and the seeds from the trees, softly down with scarce a sound, impregnating into the ground. And so the leaves and the seeds are falling to the ground and the seeds specifically end up getting into the ground or at the very least covered by the leaves. Fallen snow, a cradle low to stow from, blow aloft. After all the leaves fall off the trees, the s- snow comes along and it covers the seeds, protecting it from the wind, the winter winds being blown around, intertwining rain and shining, guiding seedlings soft. As uh, spring comes along, the rain and the sun work together to help germinate the seed and then help it to grow into a, a plant. So, this is the idea that the wind and the snow and the rain and the sun, they all work together to be able to create this life out of this seed. So that's an example in nature of all these forces working together. And then the next eight lines discuss Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father and how they work together. One hand wise paints blue the skies, establish clouds up high. So this is a reference to Proverbs chapter 8. This chapter is about Heavenly Mother. And then part of the chapter talks about the creation of the earth. Uh, verses 27 and 28 There's actually a creation of the heavens and a creation of the ocean. So this is found in both of these verses. So when He prepared the heavens, I was there, when He set a compass upon the face of the depth, when He established the clouds above, when He strengthened the fountains of the deep. So it's when He prepared the heavens, I was there, when He established the clouds above. So those are the two regarding the sky. And then here in the poem, One hand wise, paints blue disguise, established clouds up high. So it's this calling back to this scripture. And then the next line, One hand true, the sea subdued, renewed the surf and tide. One hand true, when he set a compass, because the compass is true. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment. So these are all touched upon within this poem. Planted groves, and fashioned hooves, and fin and wing prepared. This is talking about bringing forth the plants, and then bringing forth the animals. Ash and dust infused by hush, the rush of breath made bear. This is about the creation of Adam and Eve. Ash and dust is that reference to ashes to ashes, dust to dust. How they're created from the dust, when we die, we become dust. So ash and dust infused by hush, the rush of breath made bear. This is this idea that they became human when the breath of life was put into them, breathed into them. River shores and temple doors and forest floors are where voice above came down as dove to them in love declare. This is in reference to the three times where we hear a heavenly voice introducing Jesus Christ. So, river shores represents Jesus' baptism, temple doors refers to the coming of Jesus to the Nephites and bountiful, and forest floors refers to the first vision, when Joseph Smith received divine visitors. Voice above came down as dove, that's again reference to the baptism. To them in love declare. again, just were introducing Jesus. It's interesting that there's no gender mentioned in the scriptures in either of those three instances. So it could be Heavenly Father, which is the popular interpretation, or it could be Heavenly Mother, which I've touched upon in a couple of my poems. Perhaps maybe even both of them were there. For this poem, they're both there. Manger still and Garden spill and Pierced Hill nearby. So this is in reference to birth of Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden spill is where he spilled his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. and Pierced Hill, this is the hill of Calvary where Jesus was had his hands and feet pierced. And his side pierced, too. His hands and feet pierced with spikes slash nails upon the cross. And his side was pierced with a spear when he died. And so they're just nearby. And again, the current understanding of Matthew 27 and 46, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, is that Jesus was forsaken, which is interpreted to mean that God had left Jesus. But one way to look at that is that... God didn't necessarily abandon him. He was still nearby, but maybe not responding. He could have still been nearby, watching and seeing how it would play out. And not just Heavenly Father, the traditional view of God, but both of them could have been there, offering support. Do you read about an angel coming to visit Jesus when he's in garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, 43? You could take a little bit of literary license and say that it was his heavenly parents coming to visit him. I have mentioned in the past that it was his heavenly mother. So this idea that they were nearby in these three instances when he was born, when he suffered in the garden, when he was hanging on the cross. Quiet sight and mountainside and desert bright The cry. So quiet sight refers to a situation in the first chapter of Mark. This is right after he calls some of the apostles to follow him. He goes and stays with Simon Peter for a little while. He heals. It says Simon's wife's mother. So I assume that's his mother-in-law. She was sick and Jesus healed her. And then a bunch of people came to the home who were sick and they wanted to be healed as well. He spent so much time healing everybody. And this was early on in his ministry. Right near the start. And it seems it was overwhelming because in verse 35 we read, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. It seems to me that it was overwhelming for him, because it was early on in his ministry, all these people had come to be healed. It says, at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast up many devils, seems to indicate that there were lots of people there. And that could be overwhelming for just starting out in his ministry. And these are the first miracles that he performed. So it makes sense that he would need some time to himself to gather his thoughts and to regroup. So the quiet site refers to this solitary place. Mountain side refers to the many times when Jesus withdrew to a mountain. So for example, after he fed the 5,000, I mean, technically it was 5,000 men as well as women and children, so who knows, There could have been 13 14,000 people. After he had fed the 5,000, we read in Matthew 14, 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So here he was again wanting to take some time to himself regroup. And this happens several times throughout the Gospels. So that's what this is referring to as well, the mountainside. Then Desert Bright refers to a moment shortly after he healed the man with leprosy. He had told him to go and tell the priest that he had been healed, uh, but to not tell anybody else. But despite this, word spread and lots of people came to hear him and to be healed of him. And in verse 16 of Luke 5 we read, "...and he withdrew himself Into the wilderness and prayed. So, okay, so you have these three instances. I mean, the mountain, we have several instances, but regardless, we have these three locations this quiet place, place of solitude. We have mountains, and we have the wilderness where Jesus took time to withdraw. And so, I like to think that maybe during these times that he was visited by his heavenly parents, and they've offered him counsel and guidance. And at the very least, he was able to pray and receive guidance through them spiritually, even if not literally. Either way, there is a source of support for him. Those are the eight lines where heavenly parents are working together to accomplish things, where we see the masculine and the feminine working together. The final four lines are now referring to the masculine and feminine working within each of us. Seated through a heart of blue, now made anew and raw. So I picked blue because blue is this stereotypical masculine colour. And I made the heart blue. When I was trying to decide, because I knew I wanted to use pink and blue and lavender. Lavender because it's a mixture of pink and blue. I was having a hard time trying to figure out how I was going to implement those three colors into the poem. But then I thought of this idea of heart, mind, and soul. And so I decided to pick one of them for blue, one of them for pink, and one of them for lavender. I didn't pick blue for heart for a specific reason. Maybe just to contrast this with this idea that men can't show emotions. And so with the heart being blue, or masculine, it's showing that it's okay for men to show emotions. I don't know seeded through a heart of blue, now made anew and wrought. So seeded is just this idea that there's something planted within our heart, and it's made us new. Maybe this realization that we have this divine nature, to borrow a phrase from the LDS Young Woman Program, one of their values, that we have this divine nature, that we find this spiritual purpose, maybe. Maybe. So now made anew and wrought, wrought, being a past tense of work, although it's not really used much anymore except scripturally or maybe poetically, literarily, like wrought iron. Wrought iron is iron that's put through a furnace and then twisted and manipulated into specific shapes. So it's this idea that our heart is worked into something new. We have a new heart, a new desire to follow Christ, maybe... Or something along those lines. I just wanted to, I just wanted to capture this idea of newness, this idea of new life, new creation. Planted pink inside the thing to never shrink in thought. So where blue was heart, pink is mind. And again, maybe it's this contrast between stereotypically women are more emotional than men, and now here they're more mental. Whereas men are supposed to be smarter than women. Stereotypically, I mean. Now we're making the mind, the feminine. So planted pinks is similar to seeded through a heart of blue, where something is planted within us, within our minds. Maybe the same idea, this newness, to never shrink in thoughts. And so once we get this new, this new seed, this newness within us, it'll always be there with us. Lavender, the soul to stir. So now the blue and the pink are coming together. They create this lavender color. And our soul is lavender. It stirs within us something. Now we have this this newness planted in our heart, this newness planted in our mind, and something begins to stir within us. Something esoterically within us begins to stir. Binary blur abound. And so now this this idea that we're either masculine or feminine, 100% one or, or the other, this idea is blurred. In fact, this... The feminine and the masculine are blurred. So they're combining, and that's why you have this lavender. So we're neither masculine nor feminine. Hold both hands. This references back to earlier in the poem in lines six and or five and six. One hand wise, one hand true. And I didn't mention that I didn't specify which hand is whom. One hand wise, one hand true. I didn't mention which one is. Heavenly Father, and which one's Heavenly Mother? One hand wise probably references Heavenly Mother because she. If you look at again at Proverbs eight and Proverbs three, she's referenced as wisdom, and I didn't assign that specifically to the skies because I thought that that's a feminine quality. I only assign it because skies and wise rhyme. <laughs> And then one hand true, I just picked that one because I needed another. There was this duality in the scriptures in Proverbs 8, the sky and the sea, more than once in those two verses that I read. And so I wanted to capture that duality in referencing Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. So again, hold both hands. Refers to those two hands, the hands of Heavenly Father and the hands of Heavenly Mother, as if two parents are walking, taking their young child for a walk, and the young child is holding the holding hand of the mother and hand of the, the father as they're walking, or hand of one parent, hand of another parent. So hold both hands. I move to stand with divine grand as stand. So this idea is that once we've come to this realization that we have both masculine and feminine, and that we can take advantage of these two qualities, this combination of these two qualities, that we can accomplish great things. So there's my poem, Lavender Soul. I hope you liked it. If you did, leave me a comment on SoundCloud if you're listening there. If you're listening on iTunes, maybe head on over to my website at Seaver.ca slash Kim. Leave me a comment there. As well, if you like my poem, maybe share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else that you share things that you like.